The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Want to make mom's day? Get to your Nordstrom Rack now and score amazing deals for Mother's Day, which is Sunday, May 12th. Find tons of gifts from only $30 at Nordstrom Rack. Fragrance, jewelry, luxury bags, activewear, beauty, and more. Save on Kate Spade, New York, Stuart Weitzman, and Ted Baker, London. Great brands, great prices. So shop your Nordstrom Rack store today and treat mom to the good stuff from just $30. Hi there, I'm Rebecca Lowe. Welcome along to the latest edition of the Premier League on NBC podcast, where you can get the latest can't-miss content from NBC's coverage of one of the best leagues in the world. Be sure to tune in on weekends at 7 a.m. Eastern for Premier League mornings on NBCSN and Peacock Premium. But for now, we hope you enjoy the latest edition of the Premier League on NBC podcast. And how about this? Leeds United have conceded 20 goals now in February alone in the Premier League, which is the most a side has ever conceded in a single month in the competition and the most in a month by a top-flight side overall since 1986. Is something going to change, Robbie Earl? Um, it's a really good question, Rebecca. Um, and you made a note there I thought was important. that This is a special football club. Not many teams lose 4-0 and, and get applauded off, off the pitch. Um, and Leeds have brought something to the Premier League. It's a better Premier League with Leeds in it. But something has to change. Either the manager has to change the tactics or, as I said before, they've got to do what they do better, Rebecca. They've got to do better at the job. You know, you've got a centre-back running past the ball that they're uh, going to have a shot. Marcelo Bielsa, if he, if, he's want, if he loves this club as much as, as, as we, he says he does, he's got to make changes. Pep Guardiola came into the Premier League and he said... Would Pep change the Premier League or would the Premier League change Pep? He had to tweak his game plan a little bit, Pep Guardiola. Marcelo Bielsa might have to do the same. But he said in his pre-match press conference this week, mm. if I change it and mm. it still isn't working, then yeah. what? Then I've lost mm. everything. Yeah. But I don't see where else he turns to. No, I mean, you're right, Robbie. Should he change? Absolutely he should change. Will he? No. He won't. He's shown that. I mean, he's all in. He's all in here. But then you've got to do better with what I, you, you, I, you're doing. Tim, I totally you? agree. But what he's doing is he's going. His principles tactically mm. go against everything you and I have ever been taught since we were kids mm. to play football. You run out of position. You chase the wrong areas. You leave the danger. Don't protect. He's asked that of his players, and and they're doing it. They're doing exactly what he's asked, and it's not working. If they that's going... the case, they're going to go down mm-hmm. with Bielsa. He's going to be a hero, but they're going to go down with but him. Because this not... is rele- relegation from back. Yeah. They can't get near a clean sheet. Any, any, any part of you think the club might fire him? No, no. I, I think that, you know, look, they have to be very careful because he is a hero there. And these fans love him, rightfully so. Mm-hmm. So if you're the board, you look at this, it's not as simple as going, well, the results aren't going well. Because this has become generational for Leeds. They're... they're, they're together with Bielsa. So do they make a change? Yes, it's football. Of course you can make a change, but they have to be careful how they do it. We start with the firing of Marcelo Bielsa, which took place about two hours ago. And it was interesting, Tim, because yesterday after the Tottenham game, the reports emerged very quickly that this was going to happen. The chairman saying it was a really difficult decision. There'll be some Leeds fans who won't be happy. But for you, was it the right choice? And And I believe the chairman when he says it was a difficult decision. Marcelo Bielsa took over at Leeds, and, and he was a breath of fresh air. The style that he played brought them up after being out of the Premier League for so long. And so he transcends the, the game a little bit. He, he's a hero to that city and to that football club. But the way that they were playing, that everybody loved, certainly Leeds fans loved and, 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 and neutral supporters, it became their demise. So, they, yes, they were losing football matches, and they were down near the bottom, and nobody wants to get relegated. But it was a fashion in which they were losing. They weren't even competing anymore. And if nothing changes, nothing will change. And so Bielsa stuck by it. I'm going to play this way. And I think ultimately when, when, when the ownership looks at that and thinks, 
if he could change and maybe tweak something, fine. But he's not, and these results aren't good enough. And so it's disappointing because I think the way the way Leeds were playing was was, was fantastic. But all, you have to stay in the Premier League. Every team has to stay in the Premier League. That's the bottom line. Mm-hmm. There's no loyalty in football. Not really. Not when push comes to shove. It's a business. There isn't, but this is as close as it goes, Rebecca. Hero status, as Tim said. Not often you lose 4-0 as you did yesterday. People clap you off. Not often do I read on blogs that Leeds fans saying if I'd rather go down with Bielsa than mm-hmm. not. He did so much for this football club, but... It was a case for, for the ownership of going, do we cross our fingers between now and the end of the season and hope this guy can get us 17th, or do we have to make a move? And when you think of the ownership group, they've invested a lot, lot of money. They've got investment from the San Francisco 49ers, which is part of the, this football club growing. There's talk about they want to get European football back into Ellen Road, not championship football. And because of that, because of the results, because of the way that goals were getting in, I think a big decision had to be made, and that's why it's no surprise. Another big decision is going to be made tomorrow. They're going to announce his successor, and it looks like it's going to be the American Jesse Marsh, who has very much come through the Red Bull system. New York Red Bulls, Salzburg, Leipzig. How do you think that will sit at Leeds? Well, I think when you, when you look at Jesse Marsh, if the rumours are, are to be believed, it's a really good hire. Here's why. The way that he plays, and we know that Ralph Radnick is doing that at Manchester United, 4 2 2 2 It's all about high tempo, pressing, recover the ball. Well, this this is a ready-made team for that because the players are already committed to pressing, already committed to, to running their socks off mm. and recovering the ball. They just need some defensive stability, and Jesse Marsh can bring that. Rob? It's interesting. To, so to Tim's point, who knows Jesse Marsh well, Leeds looks like the perfect fit. What I do hope, Rebecca, is that his nationality doesn't go against him, that he's, he's an American coming into the Premier League. This guy's worked at the highest level of club football in Europe, has got a good CV and deserves his opportunity. I'm sure the Leeds fans will be disappointed Bielsa's gone, but will get behind Jesse Marsh. Well, I think as a game and as a spectacle, that was pretty compelling stuff, wasn't it? Mm. There's so much news going on and world events are, are to the fore as they should be. You've, as a, when you were playing, there were major world issues and events going on. When you see the commitment that both teams gave out there for, for the full 98 minutes... Do we underestimate how hard that is in this situation? Yeah, I think you do because you presume that you know the show must go on and that, that players are able to compartmentalise stuff and just get on with it and play their best football and be at their best focus. But the emotional drain when situations like this happen, particularly when you've got teammates that are directly involved in, in such awful an awful time um, for them personally, it is draining. So the focus and the concentration and the application, I think, it has to be admired. Um, you know, it's great relief for the supporters and, and they can continue to, to sort of get behind their team. But for the players and, and maintaining that, that sort of standard mm. um, and delivering, I think, is, is, is something they should all be really proud of. And it was a fantastic game. It was really finely balanced. It really was until the very end. And Phil Foden's goal, it was an unfortunate series of events mm. at the back for Everton. At the final whistle, I thought it was telling Graham that two or three Man City players just leapt into the air, clenched fists. Does that suggest to you that they were relieved or just overjoyed with the effort? I think it was a relief for them. They were in a real tough game uh, today, really difficult, and it looked it looked really difficult to see where they were, how they were going to break. Mm. Everton down. Um, they defended so well, and it was just it was just erosion, wasn't it? They wore them down, and the goal in the end, Keane just got caught with the deflection. I think all his weights on his left foot, and then you try changing direction, you can't because everything's down one side, and he couldn't step. He just hung a leg out. It looked lazy. It wasn't lazy. He would have been tired, mm. and he was off balance. And it, it was Foden who who was whose momentum was taking him forward. And I think to your point of how they leapt around at the end and celebrated was I just think it was that relief of getting over the line in a very difficult game in a particularly difficult week um, with three points and that's a big three points given how much pressure Liverpool are putting them under. Just briefly, Frank Lampard's got something to build on here. Yeah, he certainly has. There's an identity there, a shape to the team, a discipline, a togetherness and a fight that you think if they carry on playing like that between now and the end of the seasons, they'll pick up enough points. OK, with that, Rebecca, we'll send it back to you. Arlo Graham, thank you very much. He certainly has something to build on because you can't get much lower than the fact that Everton have 22 points from their 24 games this season, which is their lowest tally at this stage of a league campaign since 1929-30, just before you signed, I think. <laughs> um, do you, are you positive, though, for Frank Lampard and Everton? Yes, three defeats out of four, but from what you saw today... If, yes, I am. The effort that they gave today was outstanding. And that, that has to be the bare minimum now. If they play like that, 
the rest of the way, they should be okay. But that has to be the standard. Their next, their next six, Tottenham, Wolves, West Ham, Manchester United, there's some difficult games in there, you know. And so it's not going to be easy, but can they continue to bring that same effort? Because I tell you what, there were some good individual performances as well. It was one of those days for Frank. Think less about the result and think more about the mm-hmm. performance because there was lots of things in that performance where the team were well set up, there was good energy, there was good intensity. They created some good chances back and probably could have got one up. From Pep's point of view, I think it's the opposite. Think less about the performance, think more about the result. This was about getting three points today. It was a difficult day. It was an emotional day. His team weren't at their very best. It was an Everton team that were motivated, but they got the three points and they keep that six-point gap on Liverpool. And actually, is that not going to be the way for the rest of the season for Pep? I mean, I know he wants to play well, but Mm. as things stand now, Mm. we're so Mm. close to the Mm. end and that little run-in, they've just got to win the game. They've just got to win the league. What I loved is, Graham and Arnold talked about it, we saw, we saw that Manchester City is human. They lost last week. They, realized, they jumped in the air and they pumped their fist away at Everton because they know how tight this is going to be and how, how important the title is. We're so used to seeing them just stroll around and make it easy. You're like, oh, they're robots. They're, they're human and they understand what's at, what's at stake. Because it's no longer a procession. Mm-hmm. It is a title race. Mm-hmm. Will he be relieved? Will he admit to that? Let's hear from Pep Guardiola. Pep, what's your reaction to that victory and how it came about? Well, uh, I have to admit, really important. Uh, the second half uh, was much better for the consequences for the first half. Like the, we moved them, we attacked better, and um, really, you know, Wilson Park for us is always so so difficult. And uh, yeah, good victory, another step. When you say it was really important, you can't really underline at the moment. It is so tight between yourselves and Liverpool. You simply got to try and win every single game. Can cannot be differently. With the opponent they are, so last year's always was a big fight. And uh, after you know, after we achieved in the Premier League, three Premier Leagues in the last four years, still being there, this is the best achievement and the biggest compliment. And move and behave and run and try to do it what we have done. And the happiness in the locker room is still right now. Uh, yeah, it's not one day; so many, many days being there, and and that's made me so proud. How difficult was it for you today, and what made it so? Yeah, it's difficult because they defend on 4-5 and Richarlison go with Rodri. They they leave uh, central defenders just with the ball. <laughs> they are physicality transitions when we have Akure, Gordon, exceptional player, and Richarlison, of course. And always his dangers is difficult, set pieces. But, uh, but yeah, in general, we, we control and it's like how we have chances. Not a lot because it's almost impossible. But even with that, with the smaller spaces, in the second half was much, much better. Was that you referring there the second half, the first half, because they had that five in midfield, do they smother you and that in turn makes it more difficult for you to be creative? Yeah, but listen, when when the opponent decide to the striker mark the holding midfielder and step back uh, close to the eighteen yard box, so it's difficult. <laughs> so the spaces are the, the spaces, so if we decide to play with the keeper and don't attack, we'll be 90 minutes there without attacking. So, and, and anyone. So, it's difficult when it's happened. It's difficult. But I'm not saying that because Everton make a movement, a moment that, uh, you know, to try to, to jump with the wingers to central defenders. Sometimes I could jump to, to, had to press to, <laughs> to, to <laughs> Laporte. So, there was a moment, a moment with, uh, with they do it, and, and it's difficult. So, we knew it, we spoke about that, but in half time I said, guys, you are doing really well, be patient, and the right moment we will find the solution. You said be patient, but as the chances came and went and came and went in the second half, were you thinking, this is one of those days, for whatever reason, it's just not going to happen? Were you starting to worry? Yeah, it can happen, but you go here, we will be criticised because you didn't win. You said, OK, Liverpool's already win the Premier League, but how is the perform? How we perform? It was good. We did everything to win. And when you had that, the manager will be alongside to my players, to the club, that's for sure. So... Uh, we play in a certain way, we did it, and <laughs> we did it again. And when Pick for Maker would save, he's the keeper for the national team. Sometimes can do it. So, <laughs> so when that happened, <laughs> nothing. His <laughs> question is don't give up. Insist, keep going. Try again, try again. And at the end, uh, Phil was there and scored. Did you need a bit of good fortune for Phil to score the way the ball came to him? Uh, football is fortune, yeah, I'm sure. But we were searching that fortune. You know, we, we we tried and we we you earned the good fortune. We were there, yeah. We earned the good fortune. So at the end, it's impossible to score a goal if you don't try it. And 
and I know how you know <coughs> Rich Allison for the second balls and uh, the quality. So always I thought so. Hopefully with Frank, uh, Everton has a top players from my point of view. It's just you know to find the you know the mom the momentum with the right manager to the okay keep going with 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 this way but the quality is there we knew it we knew it now of course when you play for in the bottom always more difficult to become but uh, uh, yeah for me always Goodison Park was so difficult since I'm here in England always was difficult it was today was not an exception do you perhaps have another bit of good fortune when VAR judged it wasn't a penalty and it wasn't a handball? On another day, could that have gone against you? It was offside. Really? Yeah. It was a VAR and that offside. The action was offside. Generally, that's, you know, I was unaware of that. We haven't been told yeah, that at all. Your seats were not good. Well, I'll have to take your word for it because we were checked. So you, okay. If you listen, listen, I didn't see that VAR. When the VAR say penalty, that's penalty. The VAR did no penalty, no penalty. So I didn't see the image. So I don't have time. You talked about how big today's victory was. You've been saying countless times, you know, the Premier League is not over. When you were 12, 13, 14, it's not over, it's not over. But what does this mean today to get that gap back to six points? Yeah. It's not six points, but six points, of course, or one game in hand, so one game more. So, uh, listen, 11 games to finish the Premier League, and we spoke to the team, so the players said we have to win. Maybe 11 to be champion now, right now, and before 12 or maybe 10, I don't know. So, we had to win a lot of games. So, it's not what I say is in our hands, but it's performed like we are. And I have the same feeling, so against uh, Tottenham, against uh, Southampton, and today, so we perform wh- who we are. Sometimes win, sometimes don't, but when that's happened, there's nothing to say, so keep going and try to do it. Lastly, can I ask you about pre-match, when the support was shown by both sides, what did you make it of it? Thank you so much for all the people at Goodison Park, when I was there, when Alex in the warm-up went out, and how everyone stand up and clapping to him, and... Uh, yeah, I was so emotional. So he, it's not a, it's not a, a right, uh, a com- I would say a, a nice moment for Alex and of course for the Ukrainian people uh, right now. It's so, it's so difficult to understand what is going on, what this kind of thing happened, and uh, and the people from Goodison Park is was amazing for that, and hopefully. Next game, when we're going to play against United at home, our derby, the people can, can show our people to Alex what uh, he deserves. Well said. Thanks. Pat. Thank you. Phil, John, first of all, was that hard for far too close for comfort, but at the same time, massive win? Yeah, massive win. Um, it was right to the wire at some points, both teams. Um, I thought it was a great game, probably for for the neutral and for us. It was a, a difficult day, but you know we came out on top. And this man scored again. Um, the fine margins in in these games sometimes, and you know give a lot of credit to to them. They they put us under a lot of pressure and and caused us a lot of problems, which we had to deal with. And um, you know great to bounce back for us and, and get another three points. Particularly first half, Phil. How difficult did you find it today? Yeah, really difficult. You know, they have a great manager now. Um, he sets them up really well. Um, but you know, we knew what what, we, what to expect today, and I thought the courage and the desire today just to keep going, even when it weren't going right at times, was was important today. Was patience part of it? Apart from the manager's talk at half time as well, just keep doing what you're doing, and it will come. Yeah, definitely. We always work on it in training, just being patient and keeping moving. Um, and I thought we showed that today and kept going to the end. And luckily, it managed to fall to me. John, particularly in the first half, you know what Goodison is all about, the crowd here. Just how much pressure did you feel under? A lot. You know, I think the, uh, they set the tempo for, for the players on the pitch, to be honest. It was, um, it was so fast, the first probably 15, 20 minutes, and, and uh, it was a bit of a scrap. And we tried to settle things down and, and, and use the ball a bit better, and, and um, I felt we did that. And um, we started finding pockets and, and, and things like that, but yeah, the, the atmosphere and, uh, from both sides today was incredible and, you know, it was uh, a passionate game, I think, and it, as I said, you know, it went to the wire. Um, just really glad to, to come out on top. Phil, before the goal, you had a few sighters, but is it on those days you start to think, this, this is not happening for us? Were you starting to worry? Be honest. 
Nah, I think um, being who we are, we always believe. Um, I think that's the team we are now. We always keep fighting to the end. And like I said before, you know, it was, I was just really delighted that it fell to me and I was there in the right place at the right time. What do you say? Was you lucky because you were there and the way it came about? Or, fact, you sniffed the chance out? No, nah, I think you have to be in the right places to, to score. So I think um, that goes down to training and um, the manager once runs into the box all the time and, yeah, I try to be there all the time. How much were both of your hearts in your mouths when there was a potential penalty shout? To be honest, I didn't um, get a good view of it when, it when it actually happened. And then, obviously, ball went out of play and... Um, uh, VAR kicked in and, and it was just a waiting game after that. I think you, you're you just hoping and um, I've not seen it back to be honest so I couldn't, I couldn't comment on it right now but yeah those uh, um, moments in the game that you, you want as uh, less as possible. But it must be nerve-wracking Phil even if you haven't seen it and you can't see VAR you know it's up there. What's that like as a player and it's so late in the game? Yeah I was just praying uh, fingers crossed that it wasn't a penalty like I said um, like John said I didn't really get a good sight of it so I'll have to watch it back but yeah, my heart was in my mouth in the moment. It's just a waiting game. Not just because of last week, but also because of the magnificence of Liverpool as well. Do you simply have to win today? Yeah, we have to win every game, I think, from, from now on, whatever competition. Um, we set us, ourselves that standard. Um, you know, it's a given that we have to go out and, and, and get three points and we're, uh, we're not happy with ourselves to say the least um, when it doesn't come off and we don't walk off with three points but yeah from now on um, you know we've got to um, focus on every game and try and come off with, with three points and win you know hopefully every game to the end of the season Are you preparing yourselves for this to go right to the wire? Yeah we knew it before the season if we were ever going to get in this position um, we'd never win very like, by a lot of points so we always knew Liverpool would be there um, and yeah like John said we're going to have to try and take maximum points now because um, they definitely can go on big runs like us um, to the end of the season. Well, you did your job today. Well done, guys. Thank Thanks you. very much Thank indeed. You, Cheers. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Bubbles are blowing. Everybody's happy if you're a West Ham United fan. Why, Robbie, is that victory so valuable? Because whoever finishes fourth, Rebecca, it's going to be a scrap for fourth space. Four spot, Manchester United, Arsenal, Spurs and West Ham. And I know David Moyes has said he wants his team not to scrap so much and, and to enjoy a game and be front foot. But they've shown that they can get their hands dirty and they can get a result. And, and you saw the delight on David Moyes' face after the game. That was important. That keeps them in with, in with a chance. And two players I want to mention. Thomas Suchak on his birthday. I think his fourth goal of the season. Got ten Premier League goals last season. He's had to play a bit of a different role and has not been attacking. And Declan Rice next to him, if isn't in the, pl- uh, the running for player of the year, should win the most consistent performer of the year. This young man who captains this football club mm. leads by example and keeps driving on and was magnificent again for West Ham. Tim, you actually said at the beginning of the first half while we were watching the game all together here in the studio, you said, I love Declan Rice. I love him even more every yeah, week. Yeah. That's how you feel. Uh, yeah, because when you talk about a, a young player, we, we, they have so much expectation and oftentimes they stumble. There's no stumbling with him. He plays every single minute. He's actually a proper captain. Sometimes when you're a young leader and you say something, not everyone listens. Everyone at West Ham Football Club listens to him. He rarely puts a foot wrong. He says the right things. He's a, he's a brilliant performer for this team. And, and I'm starting to really enjoy the celebrations from teams because, again, it's a bit robotic as you go through the season. You think, are they, do, they, do they care enough? Are they, are, are they robots? And then all of a sudden you think the fists are pumping and, and they know what it means and it's starting to mean a little bit more. I look at Wolves, though, today, Rebecca, and, and, and I think that game Thursday, I think, mm-hmm. drained them physically, you know, late goals, uh, conceding to Arsenal. Emotionally, I think they look a little bit drained. Did what they had to do, have possession, but in the, in the attacking third of the pitch, they were really, really poor today. Yeah. And that will disappoint Bruno Large because they look like now they, they've dropped out of the race. But it won't surprise him because goals have been a problem all year. Mm. Goals have been a problem. And, look, and Trincao and Fabio Silva aren't up to standard at the moment. And he, and he had to rest him in his impotence and it came back to bite him. 
Guys, well played. Thomas, happy birthday. What a way to celebrate. Yeah, thank you. This, uh, this goal is uh, maybe the best gift what I could uh, do for the fans, for the everyone. And also my uh, grandpa uh, came uh, first time and he supported me from my childhood. So this goal is for him and he's uh, 80 in, uh, in one week. So it's for him. Do you know, I saw you point up after you celebrate with your teammates, you pointed up to someone in that corner. Was that your grandpa? Yeah, it was my grandpa because he wanted to come, but he couldn't because of the COVID and now finally is here. So that's uh, the bad gift. Uh, he can come every week now. <laughs> <laughs> I should tell him that uh, that's great that I scored and uh, helped the team. It's a heartwarming story, Declan, isn't it? Please for you, mate. Yeah, I'm delighted for him. He's played so many games, so many minutes since he's arrived. Um, you know, he's been outstanding for us. Someone who we've needed massively. You know, we've relied on him, his goals. Uh, his defensive ability up and down um, and he's great to play alongside and today was was him back to his best you know working for the team interrupting things and getting yeah, in the box <laughs> scoring the, and scoring a great goal yeah. <laughs> this is too lovely almost and it was almost accompanied by a Declan Rice wonder strike wasn't it in the first half yeah you know I've, I've been trying in training to shoot more often um, and they the midfielders kept dropping you know back into their box and I said to Pablo about five minutes before I'm free and you know the touch set me up and kind of used Neves's body to try and set it outside him and was unlucky but hopefully one of them goes in soon yeah. <laughs> yeah, I agree yeah. If I can add that here, yeah, I see him every day at the uh, Green and uh, <laughs> he's the best, best shooter from the from the guy. So I uh, I told him uh, maybe like a love story. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> a guy that he should have uh, maybe 10, 15 goals per season, and I think that he will because uh, everyone see uh, how how this uh, <laughs> how should he? I, I was I was just going to say, is that the next little bit for you? I mean, there were certain pundits who thought you were more of a centre half yeah. back in the day, yeah, yeah. but you've got more and more comfortable starting attacks and dictating play goals the next thing yeah I feel much more comfortable now I feel like I've you know I've grown into the midfield role um, adding goals is obviously it's a nice feeling you know it's nice to score goals um, but you know my job as well is also to defend and someone like him who, who gets 10 a season you know him arriving in the box he's a massive threat so I don't mind sitting back um, the, the three or four a season for me don't I don't mind it they all count <laughs> how important was the win today Thomas oh yeah very important because uh, we, yeah, uh, we did uh, two draw in our table last uh, two games and uh, we wanted because uh, we uh, want to stay still high at the table and this uh, yeah this win is uh, massive uh, because but uh, I am more happy if, uh, uh, how we played especially first mm. half time it was great and uh, we need uh, to continue in this uh, this way. Is he right, Declan, as well as the win, was it a return to form? Yeah, definitely. I think you could see our shape. We matched him up. Um, we was on the front foot, you know, right from the start. Um, you know, that's a mentality thing, having your own mind that we're going to go out there and, you know, try and run all over him. And I think we regained the ball so much. Um, you know, we could miss some chances in the first half, miss some key chances in the second. You know, Wolves are a great side, we knew that, but today you know, we've really upped our game and our level and deserve win in the end. You also showed your solidarity before the game with your teammate Andrei Yarmolenko yeah. and the people of Ukraine. You, yeah. you wore the shirts in the warm-up mm. and you, you carried the shirt out yourself as captain. Mm. What did it mean to you? How important is it that you support your mate? Yeah, it's, it's so, so important um, you know, for me, for the team, for, for everyone, the club, to support Yama, you know, the day it all started, we see him at the training ground and he was in bits um, and so were all the lads for him. You know, we're all there for him. Uh, we're there for the people of Ukraine and, you know, it's, it's horrible what's happening. But, yeah, we're all with Yama and, you know, a little tap on the shirt at the start of the game obviously brought some good luck. You did. You gave it a little shirt before you handed it back. Yeah. Are, you, are you really feeling for him? Yeah, 100%. I think, I think he's got some family in Ukraine at the minute. Oops. Um, so, obviously, he's going through some really tough times. Um, see, Thomas has spoke to him a little bit more, but we've all sent him a little message and he sent us a message in the group chat before the game saying good luck, boys. So, I'm sure that was good luck for us today. Yeah, that's nice. And the two of you are quite close, Thomas, I think, aren't you? Yourself and Andre? Yeah, yeah, of course. Uh, we spoke uh, uh, together about it and it's uh, yeah, a really difficult time for him and uh, also not only for him but uh, for all yeah, Ukraine uh, uh, country yeah, and uh, yeah, uh, we everybody should uh, know what's happening there and uh, it's uh, like uh, this uh, yeah, uh, this what we did uh, it's like a little piece uh, how we could support and uh, we, we want more and uh, I hope that uh, <laughs> uh, anyone uh, wants uh, the war okay. well, Thanks for speaking so well on it and well played Thank you Thank you What a lovely interview with Thomas Suchek and Declan Rice. I'll take you back to Lee Dixon and Arlo White. And, and chaps, when you hear Declan Rice speak, he is just, he's got everything. He's a class actor on the field and off the field, he is such a leader. Would you agree? 
Yes, absolutely. On the evidence that we've seen so far, mm-hmm. you know, this is not a, an easy situation for anybody, let alone a, a young man who, who is growing in his career. And we saw that moment with the Yarmolenko shirt, um, giving a little bit of information, what went on behind the scenes. We saw yesterday Zinchenko and Mikalenko. You know, lots of people are engaged exactly with what's going on with their Ukrainian teammates and with the, the nation as a whole. So Declan Rice, I think, uh, represents that. In, in terms of the football league... Were you surprised how flat the occasion was today, given yeah. what was at stake? Yeah, it looked like, I said in commentary, it looked like both teams didn't want to lose at, at one point. Obviously, West Ham created a little bit more. They were out of possession a lot more than, than Wolves. They knew that Wolves couldn't really hurt them with the way they started the game. I thought Wolves were poor today. I, uh, you know, they were, they were decent against Arsenal. They had a good game plan, but I thought today... They were flat and he changed the team. He made five changes, Bruno Lars, in order to give a bit of legs into that midfield. And I think he sensed it, you know, that's why he made the changes, but it didn't work. It, they were, they didn't really have enough ideas to get past uh, uh, West Ham and, and Zuma at the back blocked everything. And I think overall it was the right result. And they've got to go again now. They've got winnable games in the next six or seven games and you look on paper and you go they should be okay to pick enough points up I don't think they'll have enough points to get fourth place I think they're in a position where you know the season's starting to go away from them a little bit but they've had a great season so far as far as West Ham concerned back on track Arsenal favourites obviously having the games in hand and everything but they you know the points are worth the gold dust points at the moment so games in hand don't mean anything and if you lose them Absolutely. Manchester Derby next Sunday for you next, isn't it? Have a great week, Lee. Rebecca, we'll send it back to you. David, big punch of the air at full time. Was that a biggie? Uh, Yeah, I think I was more pleased. I thought we performed well for for parts of the game, much better than we have done. And, uh, you know, we made chances and we had moments to to sort of maybe score other goals. But overall, I was really pleased, pleased with the result because Wills are in a good, good vein of form as well at the moment. So was that a big thing, the team and probably certain individuals getting back to old performance yeah, levels? I thought so. I thought good, good values as well. You know, when we had to dig deep late in the game, we were resilient enough to make sure we didn't concede a goal. But, uh, but overall, I thought a lot of them done a lot better today and good result. Wolves only had one shot on target. Declan Rice spoke in his interview about matching them up. How did you nullify them? Well, I'd watched them in midweek and I thought they played really well at Arsenal and I thought they were really unlucky not to take something from the game. But, uh, look, we had to find a way. They, I think they're a, a team who's playing really well, don't concede many goals. So we knew that it was going to be tight throughout. But, uh, no, we wanted to try and get a bit closer. I thought our pressing was much better in the first half than it had been uh, for a few weeks. So, you know, we need to try and take something from it and uh, hopefully uh, continue to get good results. So as much as the three points, is it a bit of a mood changer? Uh, I don't think it's a mood changer because the only the only thing that we're looking to do is we're trying to grow the team here. We're not sort of that interested in what MD else is doing, and you know, and there's a lot of talk about where we're going to be in the league. But we're trying to grow a football club and bring it back and get it get it really healthy again and get it near the top of the league uh, more regular and more often. So uh, we've got to watch that we're not just going to have a flash in the pan and drop away again. So I'm more concerned at how our consistency is and how we do it week in week out. And yes, we're, we're games have not been as good but we're, we're digging out some wins. Is it worth remembering, you mentioned it in your programme notes actually, two years ago today mm-hmm. you beat Southampton to climb yeah. out of the relegation Obviously, zone. We so did, yeah. It's not been so bad. You know, and that's the reason why I think that you know, growing, us growing as a team, we're only just started. So the expectations are high because we've, we've gone into you know, positions near the top of the league. So we know that we want to try and stay there, but we're also not daft to think that two years ago we were on the verge of relegation. So to do that so quickly... It's not easy and there will be a levelling out at some point. But uh, that was why today was such a good result. What's possible, David, as you approach the business end of this season in, in two cup competitions and handily placed in the league? Well, again, I, I'm more interested in how we, how we can improve West Ham in, in the longer term because I think that if we're only going to look short term what we do in the next cups or what we do in the league, then I think it's too short. I think that for this club to be used is great again or getting back to closer to that there's a lot of work to go into I can see lots of space for things to get fixed and get done and how we get the team better and how we get the squad better so there's a big potential to fix it and I want to just sort of keep moving it on and nudging it on Thank you, well done today Thank you, cheers
You heard Arlo during the second half, a statement released by Chelsea owner Robin Abramovich in the last hour. During my nearly 20-year ownership of Chelsea FC, I have always viewed my role as a custodian of the club, whose job it is ensuring that we are as successful as we can be today, as well as build for the future, while also playing a positive role in our communities. I've always taken decisions with the club's best interest at heart. I remain committed to these values. That is why I am today giving trustees of Chelsea's charitable foundation the stewardship and care of Chelsea FC. I believe that currently they are in the best position to look after the interests of the club, players, staff and fans. That is a statement from the owner of Chelsea Football Club. And I should just give you some background over in the UK, where, of course, Chelsea is, where Abramovich is often based. Um, They have frozen assets of all major Russian banks over the last couple of days because of the war in Ukraine and the invasion by Russia in Ukraine. They've also frozen assets um, to 100 individuals or businesses. Roman Abramovich, a billionaire, an oligarch from Russia, a Russian national, um, clearly trying to protect Mm. himself and his assets, Chelsea Football Club being one of them. Robbie Earl, surprise, Mm. a shock in some ways, maybe for for many people watching, not your reaction? Yeah, surprise for me, Rebecca. For for a man, Abramovich, who rarely speaks to the media or says anything, these few words speak volumes for, for the situation at Chelsea. And let's not forget, this is the World Club champions, the Champions League holders could be League Cup winners if they get through tomorrow's game. The ramifications of what could be down the line, I think, is quite frightening for Chelsea at the moment. Whether I'm a Chelsea fan, I'm a Chelsea player, or I'm part of a Chelsea football club. He had visa problems. He's hardly been actually in the UK at all over the past three years. Became an Israeli national. Was seen, though, lifting the World Club Cup only a few weeks ago. Tim, what do you make of this? Well, it's it's concerning for Chelsea Football Club. I mean, as you said, Robbie, he has he hasn't uh, had much to say publicly, but we know with Chelsea, there's been a quiet chaos under his reign. Right? There's been mostly player power. Successful managers have come and come and gone very quickly. Even so, they're kind of used to that. But as those players sit in the hotel tonight and prepare for a cup final tomorrow. The only Chelsea most of them have ever known is under Roman Abramovich, and this will this will make them uneasy. This isn't like anything they've ever dealt with at Chelsea, and they've dealt with a lot. Um, I think there's a lot more in this to come, uh, you know, in the coming days, and certainly over overnight. He's owned the club for 18 years. Yeah. Uh, only this week, of course, with the invasion of uh, of Ukraine by Russia, Thomas Tuchel in the build-up to yeah. the League Cup final that Tim mentions was asked mm. about it. And he said, yeah. this is distracting. Mm-hmm. It's, got, it's got a hell of a lot more distracting tonight, as yeah. Tim says, they're in that hotel preparing for this game tomorrow. Well, if, if you're in the other dressing room, Liverpool, you're thinking, we're ready to go. And, and Chelsea... Thomas Tuchel's got his hands full to get his players focused, to stop all the noise around it, the gossip. There'll be talk of, you know, is he going to be in charge? Are we going to get paid? What's happening with the money? All those things start happening in the dressing room, Rebecca, because footballers will talk, Mm. and they'll always talk about what's the next scenario, and Thomas Tuchel's got to keep some positivity around that group to make sure they're ready for the game. Yeah, and and I think our job is to talk about it. Their job as players is to eat right, sleep right, and prepare. And as you said, right now, they're in each other's rooms mm. on text going, yeah. what have you heard? Yeah. Who's heard what? And then and, and it takes away from the job at hand, which is what they're supposed to do. You would most. hope somebody from Chelsea, probably above Thomas Tuchel, mm. has gone into that locker room, mm-hmm. has shut the door, and has gone through where we are and what needs to happen, and then they concentrate on a League Cup final tomorrow. Yeah. Yesterday afternoon, Roman Abramovich, Chelsea owner, came out with this statement. During my nearly 20-year ownership of Chelsea, I've always viewed my role as a custodian of the club, whose job it is ensuring that we're as successful as we can be today, as well as build for the future, while also playing a positive role in our communities. I've always taken decisions with the club's best interest at heart. I remain committed to these values. That is why I am today giving trustees of Chelsea's charitable foundation the stewardship and care of Chelsea FC. I believe that currently they're in the best position to look after the interests of the club, players, staff and fans. Now, that was yesterday. This morning, not a couple of hours ago, the club, not the owner, the club have come out with this statement. The situation in Ukraine is horrific and devastating. Chelsea FC's thoughts are with everyone in Ukraine. Everyone at the club 
is praying for peace. Not long after that statement, we heard from the Labour MP in the United Kingdom, Chris Bryant, Labour MP for Rhonda in Wales. He said, I'm worried that the British press have fallen for the Abramovich line on ceding control. Unless and until he condemns the criminal invasion of Ukraine, I will continue to call for the UK to sanction him and seize slash freeze his assets. And it was this MP, Chris Bryant, who just a week ago in Parliament in the UK originally was the one who said that Chelsea should no longer be owned by Roman Abramovich. And clearly, it's not what he said in Abramovich's statement no. yesterday, Robbie L. It's what he didn't say. Mm. No mention of Putin, no mention of Ukraine, mm. no mention of Russia. And I should also point out, he has denied consistently over the last 20 years having any relationship with Vladimir Putin. But this all points to something where yeah. he feels the heat is coming and he is trying to protect his asset. And the Chelsea statement that came out, Rebecca, for a football club that generally does things very well, I thought was an embarrassment. It was t very much ticking a box. It was cold. It lacked empathy. It lacked any responsibility. It, it was out there and it does nothing to, to enhance the, the re reputation of Chelsea and Roman Abramovich. Now, there's many people and there's many layers to this who can talk better educated about a lot of the issues. Where I can point to is the football club in the dressing room who've got a League Cup final today. And Thomas Tuchel's talked about being worried and distracted. He's talked about playing today with a bit of a conscience. And I get that because can you imagine what's going to happen if Liverpool walk out with we support Ukraine and, and the, the empathy that it's around uh, the, the country? And then what are Chelsea doing? Are they wearing the same or are they not? Are they turning their head to it? If Chelsea were to win the game today, players running around Wembley, you know, cheering that they've won a League Cup. Is that the right message that, that a club that's got Russian ownership? I know it's, the stewardship's gone to uh, a trustee oh, board. He still owns it. But with Russian ownership... How, does, how are Chelsea players going to feel? It's a situation that, look, that reflects very badly on what has been a very good club. It is a nightmare decision to make, Tim Howard. And Robbie picks up a really interesting point, mm. the League Cup final, Wembley. We saw yesterday for Everton Man City, Everton players coming out in yeah. the Ukrainian flag, City players wearing the shirts, no war, we mm. stand with Ukraine. What on earth are Chelsea going to do today? Well, yeah, it's, it's, the, it's the unity that brings everyone together. And I think that when you look at football and politics, everyone wants to keep it separate, absolutely. And so from the player standpoint, that falls all on Thomas Tuchel's shoulders, which is a really difficult mm -hmm. task. From, from the side of the, of the statement, when I look at Roman Abramovich and saying he's going to give the stewardship of the club to the Chelsea Foundation, I can only assume he's trying to distance himself from, from that so Assets don't get frozen so that government sanctions don't get imposed. You know, I, I don't personally believe that when he says Granoskaya and Czech are in charge of the technical decisions and, and Bruce Buck is in charge of, you know, over, overseeing it as the, as the chairman, because then that means if the sale of the club, if there was to be the sale of a club, then he, then he wouldn't have the final decision. If they were to buy a player for $150 million or sack their manager, those, those people are in charge of making decisions. I don't believe that. I think ultimately those decisions still are going to come from him. So although he's tried to distance himself, he's not really done that. It's interesting. There's an article that's come out in The Telegraph this morning by Sam Wallace that says even though he has done this and he's handed over the stewardship and mm. care to the charitable foundation, the government, the UK government, can actually still freeze it because okay. he still owns it. That'll be interesting to keep an eye on. Are we seeing the beginning of the end of Abramovich's Chelsea? Absolutely. I, I think it's a domino effect, Rebecca, and the longer that this continues, the more likely he's going to be losing the football club. There is apparently one interested um, suitor for Chelsea Football Club, according again to The Telegraph this morning, although at the moment no change of ownership. Roman Abramovich still owns Chelsea Football Club. Some news just into us from Chelsea Football Club. From the Daily Telegraph Chief Sports Reporter Jeremy Wilson and Chief Football Writer Sam Wallace, the trustees of Chelsea's Charitable Foundation have, according to this report, not yet agreed to Roman Abramovich's idea to hand them stewardship of the club and only learnt of this dramatic plan Yesterday, on Saturday, according to Sam Wallace and Jeremy Wilson, the trustees say that they have major unanswered questions and are still considering the request. So you'll
You'll remember that yesterday afternoon during the Everton Man City game, an announcement made, a statement, a rare statement from Roman Abramovich saying he was handing over the stewardship and care to the trustees of Chelsea's charitable foundation. Well, according to this report, the trustees currently have no idea whether Abramovich might also be about to be sanctioned by the British government and the nature of any sanctions. It is understood that there have been conversations between trustees since Saturday's announcement and lawyers who are now working on proposals for a potential structure that could be put before the trustees. Let me just put you in the picture of who the trustees are. Bruce Buck, the club chairman, is heading up this charitable foundation, which, of course, normally does grassroots football and local community work. The manager of Chelsea women's team, Emma Hayes, is a trustee. The executive director of the anti-discrimination group FAIR, Piara Power, is a trustee. And the chairman of the BOA, the British Olympic Association, so Hugh Robertson, plus two other men, Paul Ramos and John Devine. Tim Howard, this is, this is getting worse for Chelsea. Am I right? Messy is the word that comes to mind. They, they kick off in a cup final in 10 minutes, and this comes out. It doesn't surprise me because that statement comes 24 hours after. That, that's time that, that the trustees needed to digest this information because what I assume and read is Roman Abramovich made this decision. He's the owner. He talks to his chairman, Bruce Buck, who of the of the uh, Chelsea Foundation gives them the information and then Bruce Buck has to tell all the other trustees there wasn't any time for them to digest what they were getting into as you mentioned this is not what they signed up for they signed up for charitable initiatives and and, and grassroots football this is a whole different ball game and so of course they had to take a minute step back and assess what was going on and so I'm not surprised to hear this if you put yourself in the position of somebody like Emma Hayes a yeah. Chelsea women's yeah. manager mm-hmm. she does a massive job Absolutely. as it is as Tim says she yeah. signs up as well to be part of the charitable foundation and do mm-hmm. good work in the community yeah. all of a sudden you're the front woman one of the front mm. men women for a club which is thrust into a spotlight in the middle of a European war you don't want that do you it, 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 it. Very much as a poison chalice, Rebecca, to the point where some people are looking at and will have a moral compass and will we'll say, do I really want to be tainted and, and associated with this as things stand? And so at the moment, we talked about this morning, this thing's got layers. Another layer's just been added. And I've got to tell you, this is getting toxic very quickly. Do you think we're going to see some resignations from this board of trustees? I do, because I think to be a trustee of a foundation that's doing all the good work that, that it, it has done in the past, what, what's being offered at the moment is in complete contradiction to, to why you're involved in, and you're, 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 you're a person that, that wants to be part of, of doing good and, and, and helping communities. This isn't what Roman Abramovich has handed to you. At Wembley Stadium right now, Chelsea against Liverpool kicking off in 10 minutes. Neither team warmed up with any T-shirts, any flags from Ukraine, which was surprising, I thought, Tim. Did you think after yesterday we saw Everton and Man City, of course, both of those clubs have a Ukrainian player in their ranks. Neither Chelsea nor Liverpool do, but surely we would have seen something. I I was anticipating we would absolutely see something, certainly from Liverpool Football Club, if not from both. So it's surprising. Uh, It's unfortunate that that there wasn't more support there. There are some Ukrainian flags in the crowd at Wembley. I've had a a little look. So there is some representation as people continue to support the people uh, of Ukraine. Welcome along to this week's edition of The Lowdown, presented by Lexus, Rebecca Lowe, Tim Howard, Robbie Earl, helping me out with my questions <laughs> this week. Five questions, 30 seconds each, or longer, if I'd like to go longer. <laughs> Robbie Earl, you have question number one. Question number one, we'll start at Leeds United. Oh. Was it the correct decision to sack Marcelo Bielsa? Yes. Absolutely, yes. Easy. I think Tim said it on the air this weekend. It wasn't just that they were losing. They were just not even competing. I mean, to concede 14 goals in their last three games was abysmal. The players just kind of look disconnected. The defence is woeful. Goal scoring isn't happening, which has been happening at Leeds for the last few years, which is one of his hallmarks. Um, And they'd obviously kind of lost faith in his ways and he wasn't going to change them hero status i don't care football he'll always be a hero there so it's Mm -hmm. okay but there's no point being a hero and taking them down and yeah it's sad but i'm not actually that sad about it it's football Mm -hmm. you know leeds united are a premier league football club they have to stay that way let's stay on the topic of managers will antonio conte be the manager of tottenham football club at the beginning of next season well danny higginbotham says every single week (laughs) no chance he's going to be tottenham manager beginning of next season It all depends on Daniel Levy's checkbook. Mm -hmm. And it slightly depends on Harry Kane a little bit as well. And that's going to have an effect on everything. If Kane leaves, there's going to be all sorts going on. Mm. I I think Conte is clearly not happy. So right this second, I would say no. Mm. 
but with the caveat that that can change if he is given the money in... And I mean a lot of money. Yeah. I don't just mean like his 30 million mm. to go and buy an extra player. Yeah. He's going to have to spend all the Kane money if Kane goes, plus another 100 million yeah. for him to be satisfied. So lots of caveats. From today, no, but there is a chance, yes. I want to take you to West London. Brentford versus Newcastle. How did you feel when you saw Christian Eriksen returning to a football pitch? Oh, just like everybody else, kind of mm. emotional. And, and, I mean, it's a miracle, really. The, mm. You know, the guy was, was dead for five minutes in his own words. That's the mm. interview yeah. he gave just a few weeks ago in the UK. And he's there playing football eight months on. I also felt a little bit nervous. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. I'm going to be nervous watching him play for quite some time, I think. I'm sure I'm nothing compared to what his family must feel. Yeah. Um, and we actually talked yeah. about it off the air and how interesting a decision he has made to go back to the game, mm-hmm. considering what happened to him. And everybody's different and it's up to him. I felt so happy yeah. and a little bit nervous. Mm. Yeah. Currently, who is better positioned to finish in the top four? Arsenal or Manchester United? Yeah, I mean, just one look at the table and it's 100%. Arsenal. Mm. I know they're sixth and I know they're two points behind Manchester United, but they're three games in hand. And with the form that they're in and just the feel around this young Arsenal team right now under Mikel Arteta, my goodness, if he finishes fourth Mm. as manager of the year, that is manager of the year, unless Klopp wins the league, then I would say probably (laughs) Klopp. But that would be from being bottom of the league after three games and and people like me saying, I don't think he should be manager of Arsenal, you know, what's going on here, uh-huh. to finish fourth. And I think that they will, as things stand, because United are very good at throwing it away for themselves. I mean, you can't draw nil-nil at home with a team like Watford and expect to finish in a Champions League place. And that will cause a nightmare at Old Trafford if they don't finish top four. You just said manager of the year, if he wins a title with Liverpool, would be Klopp. After City's win against Everton in a six-point gap mm. now, mm. who's your favourite? Well, City have to be the favourite because they're six points ahead. They have to be the favourite if you're talking about bookmakers' favourite. Mm. But Who's in- your gut telling you who wins this <sighs> year's title? Well, I, I think... Rebecca Lowe, it's so where's hard. your gut I'm selling you? I'm going to say my gut probably says in the end City will come mm. through oh. um, and, they, and they play lovely football. But it's a different kind of enjoyment watching Liverpool. Liverpool play a different kind of lovely mm-hmm. football and I kind of slightly prefer their lovely football. Um, but I'm not sure in the end. I don't know. Mm. It's a good one. Wow. And this is wow. why I love it because <laughs> it isn't anymore going to be a run. Well, I hope it won't be a runaway mm. for we anybody. We just want mm. a title race and be very neutral about that. Now, it's been an emotional weekend for a lot of people. My moment of the week, it has to be that moment that you probably saw before the game at Goodison Park where Alexander Zinchenko and Vitaly Mikolenko, two Ukraine internationals from City and from Everton, embrace, tearful embrace at Goodison Park. Can you even begin to imagine what either of them are going through right now as we all send our love to the people of Ukraine? That does it for this edition of the Premier League on NBC podcast. Be sure to check out other episodes where you'll get a collection of our most spirited in-studio debates as well as exclusive on-site access. Plus, don't miss out on Premier League mornings, weekends at 7 a.m. Eastern on NBCSN and Peacock Premium. Bye for now. Hi there, I'm Rebecca Lowe. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.